God's going to take us. Hey, uh, we're um, finishing week four in a series called Champion. I think it's awesome that the Olympics are going on right now, and we had uh, the basketball championship with the Bucks winning, and Lightning, and Lightning brought home another title. Lightning struck twice. It was really cool. Anyways, a lot of champions going on, and, and I'm really thinking about that in light of this series uh, because in Scripture, the Apostle Paul, in just about all of his letters to churches, he's encouraging us to run the race or to win the prize or to live in such a way that we are, we know what God's calling us to do, and we're doing it well. Uh, we're doing it with authority. We're doing it with conviction. We're doing it with intention. And I think that looking back, when you win a championship of any kind, no one can ever take that back from you. You know that you're a champion, and you knew what it took to get to where you were. And I don't want to live in such a way that when we look back on our life, we wish that we would have paid more of a price or focused more. Because it's one thing to do it in a sport, but in the game of life and living for Christ, we want to put it all out there, and we want to live for the Lord. And so I love this series. I love what it's doing in me. I believe that we, he is calling us to be champions for Christ, and I want to get at it. Hey, uh, the greatest champion of all in John chapter 19, verse 30, is Jesus. He is on the cross, and he's, 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 he's been hanging there, many people believe, for about six hours. Uh, and, and the scripture says, he says, it is finished and then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And he is the ultimate champion. I love the way that he lived his life. There was, I mean, everything about him was pure. He, he lived everything, was committed to the Father. He was pure and spotless and everything, innocent as can be. But man, he lived with intentionality, the way he loved, the way he, he, he stopped moments to make time for people. Everything about the way that Jesus lived was awesome. Everything about the way that he died was amazing. But those statements, it is finished. It tells me that he knew that he lived a whole life intentionally and that his purpose was fulfilled. What I love about this is though that the thing that makes Jesus so glorious isn't necessarily the life that he lived or the way that he died. It's the way that he was resurrected. You know, and uh, I'm thinking about the words that he had before uh, when Lazarus was dying and, and was dead and Mary and Martha came to him and Jesus looked at them and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those that believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. Why, this is crucial. This last week I lost someone that I'm a friend with and um, they, they, they've gone to be with Christ and I realized the power of the resurrection, the words of Christ in the promise of eternity are so powerful when we, wash, when we watch someone walk into the other side. His resurrection power is everything that we're hanging on to. It is all the words that we're clinging into. And so as I'm thinking about that, what I love about the gospel of Jesus is when he said, it is finished it's not that he laid his life down on the cross. It's that he walked out of that grave. And what's so cool is not that he just walked out of the grave, but he ascended to the Father. And right before he ascended to the Father, Jesus is he's at the finish line of his life, and he makes sure to stop and hand something off to the disciples. He gives them this commission. 
in Mark chapter 16. Let me take you guys there if you would. Mark 16, verse 15, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes is, and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Jesus told them to go. What I love about this is that his finish line is my starting point. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I had a dream about how the generation before us has handed off the gospel to us, and it's our turn to run. And more importantly, it's our responsibility to run with the gospel of Jesus Christ and live in such a radical way that it would honor the life that he lived, but also it would make room for the next generation that's coming after us. So I'm so proud of the kids today. I think of that commission to go. Also, I want to stop there and just a little note. If you are a believer and your sin is behind you and you have not been water baptized, Jesus is saying those that believe and are baptized will be saved. It's important in our faith. If you lived a life of sin, if you, if you were a believer and then you lived a life of sin, you should be baptized. You should tell your old friends, your Facebookers and all that other stuff, look, man, I'm living for Jesus, and I've decided the cross before me, the world behind me, I'm going after the Lord. You should follow along. I want to encourage you guys to be baptized next Sunday. I think we've got like 10 signed up. It's going to be pretty rad. We're going to do it in between services for the first time ever. It's going to be pretty cool. We're going to dunk them and go. It's going to be, okay, I have to keep going here. It's going to be good. Jesus's finish line is my starting point. Can we pray? Dear Jesus, oh, would you help? Would you help? Would you help? Amen. Man, this one, it's, it's got me uh, deep here today. Uh, I want to, uh, we have a little, in, in light of the spirit of competition that we had going on last night, uh, I have a little game, and so I've asked two of my friends to come and help me with a game. If you guys could come right now, it'd be really helpful. My man, Logan, I know he's really excited about doing this. Um... So the, the, the gospel of Jesus is to go and to preach the gospel. We're going to look and seek the lost, right, and then make sure that they're found. Jesus said that I would abandon the 99. He'd, he'd leave church this morning to go find the one that's missing. And I'll tell you, it, it, it seems like a world out there that doesn't matter until it's one of your loved ones. And that's why we live in such a way that everyone we come across, we know that someone else is praying for that person. Anyways, cool. I counted these Skittles in this bag, and oddly enough, this morning, there was 104 until Logan ate one this morning. So we're going to put 100 M&Ms or Skittles into this box or glass vase of, uh, oh my gosh, I'm the worst opener of Skittles in the history of, all right. We're going to give you guys 30 seconds, oh my goodness, to compete I believe that you will maybe find two. Uh, this is way more harder than it looks. Way more, uh, way more harder. That is correct. The winner gets a Chick-fil-A gift card, buddy. Come on now. Come on now. I'm going to say go. And uh, 30 seconds. Ready? Go. One, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Logan, you got whooped, man. I, I don't know. I'm just, well, hold on. Maybe, how many you got? You got like five. Well, that don't count then. He lost it, got away. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you're good. You win. You win the gift card, man. Logan, hey, would you help me put some of those back? Well, that'll be the dividing line for the next service there. Okay, great. Uh, so that it, it, I, I always think about in my life right now and in our faith, this great commission, Jesus told the disciples to go, to go, to go, to go. And I think you'll understand this is going to be a significant, even this game here this morning will be significant in light of the sermon. It's perfect. Logan, you have to eat all of those that fell on the ground. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, why not? <laughs> all right. Hey, um, so, um. In the verse that we've probably read more than any other verse in our church is, uh, it's, uh, it comes out of the mission of our church, and it is uh, Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20, when Jesus looked at the disciples right before he ascended to heaven, after he was resurrected, and he said to them, therefore, Jesus came to the disciples and he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. You're going to need to remember this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are the last words of our Savior before he ascended. And I love this commission. Now, therefore, go. And think about the problem that I see amongst the body of Christ is in just about everything that we do, there is a clear defining starting point. And many believers miss the starting point of our faith. We miss the moment with clear understanding of what he's asking us to do. And I think some of us just think if we just make better choices or if we just get more safer and like stop talking bad... No, no, he's like, it's a radical challenge to go and make disciples. It's a dangerous child, a challenge in a lot of countries, in a lot of places. You're going to lose friends if you're honest about it. Living for Jesus is not going to be easy. And I think about like in races, like drag races, when the light turns green, if you miss your moment on the starting block, Man, when that, you know, like in the racers, when they pull that trigger, if you miss that, that moment, the starting point for many of us, on your mark, get set, bang. I think in our faith, many of us are stuck on the block, and we've not figured out how to go, or what does that look like? And I think many people, whether you're a believer or not, we wonder, God, what what do you want to do with my life? These are like the biggest questions that haunt an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 25-year-old. But what I realize is that question never goes away. God, what do you want to do? And you're going to hear this 
commandment, not a suggestion. The Great Commission was not a great suggestion. It was a great commandment. It was a great commissioning. When the baton was passed to run, to go, and to make disciples. And what I have found inside, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself, but I have found when, when the baton got, I remember the moment when, when, when people prayed for me and the Holy Spirit came on me and I knew that God was calling me to go live for him. It was one of the coolest moments of my life. And, and I want you to understand that there are many people sitting here today that God is calling you into ministry. And it doesn't mean to preach at a church we are all ministers of the gospel. I'm going to explain this a little bit more here as we go on. But what I realize that happens in me, that happens in many of you, is when we think about preaching or sharing the gospel, there is a massive fear that rises up inside many of us. And I think it's odd that even right now, some of us, it's crazy that we would love God with all of our heart shape our whole life around living for Jesus. We'll give our finances. We'll change the words that we speak. We'll change our habits. But when we hear the Great Commission, nope, we'll freeze. I hate that. I hate that for the next generation. Knowing we'll get on the news and we'll go, the world is going. Man, it's, everything is dark out there. It's dark because those that have been given the torch are not running with it. We are the light in the dark world, and many of us are terrified to share Jesus. And I want you to know that that's not uncommon. Actually, I struggle with it every day and every week, even as your pastor this morning. I'm t my armpits are sweating like crazy, even right now, because I'm terrified to share with you the gospel, and I'm your pastor. <laughs> you came here with, with the expectation just be having your life transformed by this wonderful, glorious teaching, you know? And I think to myself, the same thing happens to me. Listen, let me rewind you back in the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, we know those verses. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples. You've already heard me say that. But the verse before it, I've not read many, many times in our church. I wonder if you know it. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubt it. Oh, it's crushing. It's crushing. Can you imagine being on a team where the person who's, who's the next, it's next guy's the bat and he doesn't believe he can do it. You're passing the baton off to the next runner and they don't believe that they can do it. It would be so crushing to, to play, to shoot pool with someone who like, ah, I'm not going to make that shot. Well, then why are you shooting? Why are you, like, listen, you, you've become a believer and he's given you a purpose in your life. Believe in the calling that he has for you and some of them doubt it. Now, I checked every translation that I trust and when it says that, some of them doubt it, it doesn't say that they doubt it, Jesus and so I, I, I think about the history of the disciples, and I know that Thomas in that situation was doubting Jesus, but I also know that Peter wasn't doubting Jesus. He was doubting himself. He was thinking about the call of God that was on his life. Jesus would have to tell him again and again and again, Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, you know that I love you. Then go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. Of course you know I love you. Then go. 
Why do we struggle with going and sharing? What is it about the gospel that makes us freeze and look inward and go, ah, is there anyone else that can go? Pastor Tim will do it for us. Something has to change because you need to know that you are the champion that the Lord picked. That behold, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the captives. Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Church, if this morning during this powerful worship service, you experienced the Holy Spirit at all, it wasn't just for you. In fact, the river, a river of life is supposed to flow through you, not stay in you. Amen? That wasn't part of my message. It was just a little nugget there. But I, and I'm thinking about how many of us are terrified to share Let's pray again. Hey, Jesus, I really need you. I'm freaking out of my mind here. Okay, cool, amen. Um, what's really hard about sharing is um, even when you're speaking uh, and ministering, you hear yourself talking as you're, as, you're, as you're sharing with others. This happens all the time. And so I have like multiple voices going on in my head right now as I'm trying to tell you guys that the Lord is using me to communicate to you. There's a part of me that's terrified to tell you I think about people that will receive the great calling on their life. Let me just think about scripture for you. I'm so proud of you guys. We have like more than 90 some people reading the scripture with us right now on a daily basis. And if you're not reading, jump in with us and read as the call of God. Next week, we're going to raise the needle a little bit. Next week, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and feasting. We're going to let you eat. Uh, as you, We're going to start prayer next week, but we're going to keep reading the, through the scripture for 40 days. Uh, but join us, and if you don't have a link, uh, Miss Rachel will get you a link here today. Everyone say hi to Miss Rachel. It'll be really great. Hey, think of like the top five people in script. Who are like the top, the greatest people of faith? Would you someone help me? Give me one name. Jesus doesn't count. Abraham, that'd be great. Paul, David, John, and Moses. That's actually probably my top five also. Paul, John, uh, Abraham, Moses, maybe Elijah, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think Moses probably is like top two in Scripture. Anyways, I wanted to think about the call of God on our lives. And we know that Peter, who was the leader of the church, struggled with his faith. I wonder if Moses did. And so I wanted to just take you there in Scripture is what happens when this commissioning happens in our life and this moment, this defining moment of purpose is bestowed upon us. There's, there's got to be such great confidence that Moses has because he just met with God and of course he's, he's, like, he's shining like the heavens. He's, he's going to do great. Let me take you there in Exodus chapter 3. What a wonderful moment. Moses is here in Scripture in, in verse 9 after Moses is met with the Lord, the scripture says this, look, the, the, the Father, God is speaking to Moses. And this means so much to me because you have to understand how much it means to the Lord that we go. He says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I just wonder how hard it must be for the Lord who is the father of all of his creation to hear the cry at night of his children that are struggling 
and hurting. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. In verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But God answered, I will be with you. Sounds a lot like what Christ said, right? Go and I'll be with you. Go and I'll be with you. Go and I'll be with you. And why it's so important to have a prayer life, we're going to talk about this next week, is what Moses is struggling with is an identity crisis. And if you've got that same problem going on, it's so important. Like when we, next week we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. And when the Lord's Prayer starts off, it starts off with this recognition of relationship. You're my father. And I'm now your son. And what's happening in scripture is the same thing that can happen the enemy. It's a spiritual warfare, man. Like if, if one of the greatest things the enemy wants you to do is just keep you silent, man. If he can just get you to shut your mouth about who you are and what you believe. The glorious things that you've seen in your life and the times that God has come through for you. This world needs a breakthrough just like what you received. Anyways, what, what I'm knowing here in Scripture is, is, is the, what Moses says is, who am I? And oftentimes, we would ask ourselves the same thing. God, who am I that I'd, I'd go? You know how many times I have to convince myself, who am I, Lord, that I'd be a pastor? You know? There's got, I mean, let's have like someone, there's clearly someone better that can, Felix, you're up next week. You know? like, I, I, God, why are you calling me to do this? And God, why would you call me to, to minister to, to my coworkers? Or why would you call me to, to, to minister to my family? Or why would you, I'm not, like of all people, Lord, you've seen the way that I've lived. This guy, Moses, he was way worse. He actually murdered somebody. Like you just said something mean about someone. He physically killed somebody. The Lord still called him. Like it doesn't matter what's in your past. It's what the Lord's doing in your present right now that's defining who you are. I've become born again. And my past is behind me and behold, all things have been made new. I'm a son. And that's why he's called me. That's why he's called you. There's a lot of people out there that feel abandoned and feel orphaned and feel left alone and feel rejected. And the love that the Father has for you is why he's sending you. Does that make sense? Moses is wrestling with this calling. It's not the only question that he would ask. Feels so close to home, though, for me. And God's only promise is, I'll be with you. In Exodus chapter 4, the very same conversation as we would turn the chapter, uh, but Moses, in verse 1, protested again. But what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And what if they say, Lord, the Lord never appeared to you? ever feel like, what if they just laugh at me? Like, what if they just think that I'm an idiot? What if I share the love of God and people just don't? They look at me like I've got three heads. Like, hey, God can heal your marriage. Hey, God can heal your body. Hey, God can move in your finances. Hey, God can, can heal this. He, God, the, Lord can do, the Lord can do, he can do anything. God can do that. 
I've seen him move in my life so many times. I've seen God miracle in my finances. Anyone here ever seen a miracle that God, only God could have done in your finances? Would you just raise your hand? How about, how about anyone here? Hey, God, I've seen God move in somebody's physical body, and it could have only been God that, that, that worked in their life. How about in a relationship? It was only God that could have moved in that relationship. Do you know how many people need to hear that in your life? Here's what I want you to know. When God says go, he's not calling you to save anybody. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. You know, only the guy who laid down on the cross and walked out of the grave can save somebody. You know what we're doing in life as ministers of the gospel? We're nudging people all the time. We're just going to walk up to them and let them know. We're just going to ask them a question. Hey, do you ever think God... You ever think that um, the Lord might? I'm just gonna nudge people. I want to be in my life. In my life, I want to make sure that everyone in my life, I'm just nudging them a little bit closer to the Lord. A little bit closer to the Lord. In your life, whom are you nudging closer to the Lord? You know what's so beautiful about a church is actually we'd be guilty of thinking that only ministers are pastors, but if you look across the room. You'd see a lot of ministers across the aisle that have nudged you. That's why the family of Christ is so important, church. Many of you are visiting. I'm so thankful that you are. We, don't, we want you to join our family. We want you to know each other because it's so encouraging when someone else in the church comes into your life and they says, hey, you know what God just did in my life? And it encourages us. You know, as I'm reading, I look at so many of you as ministers. I'm reading the scriptures this week, and there was like two days where I got nothing out of it. I mean, I read that same thing, and then I got to the part where you guys wrote what you read, and I'm like, oh, dang, that's good. Whoa, that's, man, that's really, I, and I want to go back and read it again because that was powerful to me. And we're ministering to each other. And I want to make sure in my life, like I, I didn't start the call when I started ministry. All my life, I've been nudging people to get closer to Christ. And I want to make sure when I'm at work, people know me as someone who's going to, when they're with me, they're going to get closer to the Lord. People will apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I, I didn't mean to use those words. It's all right. Hey, Lord loves you, man. He's, he, he, he cares a lot more about other things he wants to do in your life. What do you mean by that? Well, what do you think? And I always, I always try to do it with Jesus. People always say, what do I say to people? You know what I think Jesus did all the time? Jesus asked questions. So annoying. <laughs> you just, you, you try, not to do, an, try not to answer people's questions about God. Because it doesn't matter how hard you try. You're not ever really going to figure it out. But get people to ask questions about their faith. You'll get them walking away, frustrated. What did he mean by that? That's what Jesus would do to all these, all these people, man. You know? Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. But what if they don't believe me and what if they don't listen to me? Then you did what you could. You know, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting him. It hurts him way more than it hurts you. Is this fair? Is this, is this, is this touching anyone here today? All right, cool. Let, let, let me just keep going here, the last part. I think this is so important, man, because as I'm watching the Olympics, I know that everyone that entered into that race fought to be there. Everyone said, I know what I'm going to do. I don't want us to enter into the faith casually and just watch other people. 
I, I think about like, uh, you know, when you go, this is another cool little rabbit trail, but I, I think of like moments that are great and you want people to do great things. Like uh, cookies just got made and they're delicious. And then someone's like, nah, I don't want one. <laughs> no, you trust me, you want one. You know, or you go swimming and you see people like that don't want to get in the pool. Nah, it's fun. Come on, if you just get in, you'll learn it's fun. Come on. And be a part of the mo- Don't just watch it. There's a call of God for you to do something with intention and purpose. And many of us are just watching. God's called you to places that I can't go with the gospel of Jesus. We've got to run like you're a champion. All right, cool. I have to keep going here. Uh, the, last, the last thing I was thinking about was that Moses struggled with, in verse 10. He had, he had a third thing that he said that really, I got to wonder how frustrated the Lord was with Moses. But Moses pleaded with the Lord again, Lo, Lord, I'm not really good with my words, you know? Like, I, I've, I've never been, and, 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 but, and I'm not now. But even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Anyone feel like, I just can't, I don't know what to say. Like, if I, even if I knew what to say, it would come out wrong. I'd say, Jesus loves you, and they would hear, you're a brown cow. You know, like, I, I just, it doesn't, I don't say it right. In my head, it this is how every sermon, it comes out for me. And I, in my head, it was so good. And I don't know what I said, but it came back. So I'm really thankful for it. And if you're not careful, you can talk yourself out of speaking. But, oh, Lord, I'm not good with these words. And here's what the Lord replies back to him. And then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Ooh, man, it's so good. He's like, oh, Lord, I can't talk my mouth. I'm really, I'm really bad at communicating. And he says, whoa, 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 I made your mouth. You better, you better stop talking right now because I, I did a great job when I made you. I know what I'm calling you to do. I, I think that's so rad. Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? It is I, the Lord. Now Go. I love that. I'm not, I don't care if you think that you're good or not. I'm telling you to do this. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Sorry, man. We're going. <laughs> I'm going to do my best, you know. I just think in my life, what happens if we don't we'll have a generation of, 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 uh, that, that won't have heard the gospel at all? Or what if it's even more tragic what if the only gospel they hear is only on the internet? They only hear sermons. They only hear the pretty ones that says life is, never gets hard and things never go wrong. And they don't learn about hardship. They don't learn about what it's like Joseph being in a prison, believing that God's going to do something great in his life. You were in the prison and you've seen the miracle and they've watched you walk through your tough seasons in marriage and in finances and in your health and in... They need to see your crisis and the faithfulness of God in your life. And I think about how much this means to the Lord. You know, like when he says, I would leave the 99 to go find the lost. Or when he, he says in, in Luke, with, with, when he's, uh, Jesus is uh, the, the prodigal father story. And he said, like, my, we have to celebrate because my son was lost and now he's alive. It means so much to him that he would actually abandon Service to go and find the one, 
The Lord is seeking people in your life. And they may get on your nerves like crazy. And the chances are the enemy will probably spin coworkers to be the most annoying people in your life or family members to be the most annoying people in your life. And the enemy will find ways for them to get on your nerves so that you miss your assignment. What if you understood that the way that you're praying for your cousin or your brother or sister or parent or son and daughter, someone else is praying for them. And I want to make sure as I pray that when people cross my brother's path that the other believers don't miss their assignment when they talk to him. I want to make sure that I don't miss my assignment when I'm around someone else's sibling. Does that make sense? I want to live life on purpose. And you don't have to win them. You don't have to convince them. But you do have to nudge them. You do have to let them know that God has a plan in their life. Or that Jesus is alive. Or that God can do miracles. And you don't even have to have the answer to all these things. But the Lord does want you to know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you for a reason. Can I just stop for a second? Would y'all bow your heads and close your eyes? I wasn't planning on doing this at this point, but um, hey, if you're here right now, I just, I, there, what if there's a chance that you feel like you're away from God and you've not been living right? And what if like inside you feel like, man, I, I need to make changes because I, I, I wonder if there is a purpose for my life and I'm, I'm not doing it. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment and let you know that the Lord loves you. And he has a plan for your life. And Jesus died for you. He is radical about you. And he knows everything about you. And he can't wait to change everything in your life. It starts here today. If you recognize that you've made some mistakes, some bad ones, the Lord wants to come in and change everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I just want to say a simple prayer for you. Would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. Man, God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. Wow. God bless you. God bless you. I pray for you right now. The Holy Spirit be upon you. God, I pray that you would forgive us. We've made life about me and it's about you. I've said the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing. I've, I've, I've sinned and I've fallen short of your glory. I'm asking that you would forgive me, that you would cleanse me, that you would change me. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to love like you. I want to, I want to give like you. I want to help like you. I want to make a difference. I want to follow you. Would you give me your Holy Spirit? Would you lead me from this day on?